Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is sponsored by Pepsi. This football season has been different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch for the rest of 2020, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com today to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Eagles fans? Welcome into this Friday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri joining you on episode five this week. If you missed any of the other four episodes, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Eagles on any podcast platform, wherever you listen to podcasts. It can be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it, TuneIn Radio. I don't even know if people still listen to podcasts on TuneIn Radio, but you hmm. name it. We are available on all platforms. Gino, what's up, brother? Welcome into episode five. I know you probably had fun last night watching your Oregon Ducks quarterbacks battle it out, Mariota and Herbert, and tonight you guys got USC, so it's a big Oregon day, a couple days for you. Huge day for the Camilleri brand right now. Yeah. We have at, uh, it'll be 7.30 Eastern time, 5.30 my time. We have my guy, Jarrett Patterson, and the UB Bulls going to take oh, on right. Ball yep. State in the MAC championship. So big ups to them, big shout out to Jarrett Patterson, one of a group. Great running back, should be a top five pick, top five back picked in this draft, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And then later on, Lou, quack, quack, we got my Ducks <laughs> taking on USC tonight, and you're right, dude. That was a fun game between Mariota and Herbert. I want everybody to write me an apology letter on everything bad that you ever said about Justin Herbert, because the kid is a winner. He's he's just everything you want. I, I said yesterday, Justin Herbert is what I thought Paxton Lynch was going to be in 2016. I mean... It's right? a good way to put it, but six, six, he played like against big better arm, competition. Yeah. He put he, he won a Rose Bowl. Like, come on, dude. Like, it, it, hats up to him. I mean, he beat a good team in the Raiders last night that were fighting for the playoffs, and Mariota didn't look half bad either, Lou. I wouldn't be no, surprised he looked, if he had a chance to start somewhere else after this year. Yeah, he looked healthy. He looked incredibly fast, like he's always been. And that arm power, which is what everybody was concerned about at the end of his Tennessee stint because of that elbow injury, he had some zip and some power on those throws. I mean, that touchdown pass to Darren Waller was a rainbow. So the uh, the one that got away, Marcus Mariota, the guy Chip Kelly tried to get. It was kind of funny, Gino. It was Mariota out there, and he was throwing to Nelson Aguilar. So it's the guy that Chip Kelly wanted versus the guy he actually got in the 2015 NFL draft. Yeah, talk about mortgaging your future. We would still be recovering from that. We would be in a, almost a 2008 Do you remember what the trade proposal price. was? Do you remember yeah, what the was trade like was? Three first-round picks, Fletcher yep. Cox, um, some ridiculous Michael thing. Kendricks, Brandon Boykin, and their pick of Sam Bradford <laughs> or Mark Sanchez, I think. I mean, good thing we didn't do that. Could right. you imagine that alternate reality if we no. did, though? I mean, I, I think Marcus was just a few years before his time, and I think he got put in a very bad situation in Tennessee as well. Just some horrible offensive play You didn't calling. like the exotic smash mouth of Mike Malarkey? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think you're going to see the complete opposite of that in this Sunday's game, Lou, and between Hurts and yeah. Kyler Murray, oh, you're literally opposite. going to be watching a Big 12 matchup. Yeah, in my it's the complete opposite. Bet the over. Take the over all day. I think it's going to be a high-scoring, fun game on Sunday. 
Yeah, the betonline.ag um, line right now, or I think the over, it's what, 49 and a half? Yeah, I would take that. I think it's going to be a shootout. I do too. I, I mean, you look at what Arizona is bad at defending, and it's the run game. And right now, what's the most efficient part of the Philadelphia Eagles? It's, it's our run game. And I still think there's going to be that element of surprise for the Eagles coming out there with Jalen Hurts, somebody that you haven't seen a ton of film on to prepare for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's going to be a good test for the Eagles' defense because they have had the time to prepare with a guy like Jalen Hurts in the scout team many times throughout the season who compares well to Kyler Murray. So you're going to see just how gap sound this Eagles team is. You better play contain on Kyler, something the Eagles have been so bad at under Jim Schwartz in the last couple of years. You better throw. I, I, I want Alex Singleton to be spying Kyler Murray a majority of the game because he is going to take off just like Jalen Hurts does. And dude, we might see realistically three 100 yard rushers in this game. Well, yeah, Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. That's the cool thing. That's what I enjoyed last night so much was watching these new wave. You know, we talked a lot this week about mobile quarterbacks and how it's just taken Mm -hmm. over the NFL. And you saw that in full display yesterday between Justin Herbert and Mariota. And then, yes, Sunday is going to be so exciting between Hurts and Kyler Murray, two of the last Oklahoma Sooners quarterbacks, you know, coming out of the Lincoln Riley system. And again, like we said, Gino, that's where the NFL is going. And yeah, it, you know, you could have three 100 yard rushers, but also you look at the injury report, the game status of cornerback Darius Slay still up in the air. So DeAndre Hopkins might be shadowed by Jalen Mills because Avante Maddox is also look likely going to be out with a knee injury. Rodney McLeod tore his ACL. So while you're right, there could be, you know, 200 plus yards rushing between these two quarterbacks at the same time. Like we said this week, got to see what Jalen Hurts can do throwing the football. He might have to do that if the Eagles want a chance at beating Arizona because that is a mismatch, obviously, whenever you have DeAndre Hopkins out there. But if they don't have Darius Slay, Jalen Hurts might have to put up 30-plus. I think that 49-and-a-half, I'm going to hammer that over. 100%, man. I mean, you have to. How can you look at what we have going on at the cornerback position and have any faith right now? Isn't I mean, Kayvon Seymour going to be CB2 this week? I mean, that is horrifying. Yeah, I, I didn't mind what Seymour did last uh, last game, and I think we have a little bit of familiarity of what he did in his time in, in Buffalo. Buffalo. I thought yeah. he, he's been a, a solid player when he has been in the league, and you know, it's definitely going to be a tough test for him. But man, I'm already seeing Bradley Fletcher images of Jalen Mills getting burnt by Oof. anybody. Take your pick of Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, an unbelievable route runner, and Larry Fitzgerald or DeAndre Hopkins just running a double move on him. You're right. They're going to be a lot of rainbow balls in this game. I mean, you saw that Browns and Baltimore game the other uh, other day with two mm-hmm. very good defenses. Imagine these two pretty subpar defenses allowing at least three, 400 yards apiece. I, I could see that all day. There's going to be a, a big touchdown on Arizona side for sure, and I hope we get a couple out of Jalen Rager. That'd be nice to see them continue to push the ball down the field and allow Jalen Hurts to go out there and make those one-on-one throws, which we want to see from a guy moving forward when we're evaluating him and take a little bit of shots over the middle of the field too because we didn't see too much of that either last week. 
Yeah, all eyes are going to be on Jalen Hurts in his second star for the Eagles at 4-8-1. They're still only a game and a half back of first place in the NFC East. They don't have to win this game to make the playoffs, but if they can win this game and then run the table these final two games against Dallas and Washington, that'll be the most favorable scenario for the Birds to get back into the playoffs for the uh, fourth straight year in 2020. And so, obviously, again, all eyes on Jalen Hurts. But, Gino, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter, and this is what we're going to get into coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles with Hurts. Going out there last week, having an impressive performance, beating the 10-2 New Orleans Saints, you know, rushing for 100 yards, having uh, nearly 300 yards from scrimmage, a passing touchdown, clearly elevating the offense. A lot of talk is now centered around, again, Doug Peterson with Carson Wentz versus Doug Peterson without him and whether or not moving forward, Doug's best bet to save him as the head coach is with a new quarterback, Carson Wentz as the quarterback, if you're going to save him, is it with a new head coach? And so I want to get into with you that relationship between Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz versus other quarterbacks, because that's really kind of controlled Eagles Twitter. And the conversation is super interesting the past couple days. So that's what we're going to get into coming up next on this Friday edition of Locked On Eagles. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into the Lockdown Eagles podcast, episode five this week, downloaded into your phone when you subscribe to Lockdown Eagles on any podcast platform. Louis DiBiase alongside Gino Camilleri. Gino, I hinted at it. Jalen Hurts getting that win for the Eagles against the Saints on Sunday now puts Doug Peterson at 11-3 and as a record since 2016 with a quarterback not named Carson Wentz. He is 35-33-1 since 2016 in those five seasons with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. So a lot of the questions that are being asked this week, especially with the future of Doug and Carson being unknown heading into the 2021 offseason, between Carson, Doug, and Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz are way more likely to get the axe than Howie, even if you don't agree with that, which I don't, that is the case right now in Philadelphia. And so the questions are now, is Doug better off without Carson? Is Carson better off without Doug? Again, you you heard the records, you've seen the the sample size over five years now. And I want to ask you, like, what are your thoughts, especially when it comes to Doug Peterson as a play caller? Do you believe that those records have any weight to it? Like, do you think Doug is better off without Carson? What do you think about that discussion? Oh, man, it's it's one of those things that it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. Like, sure. It's one of those discussions that can literally go either way. And I look at 2017 and it's just like, what happened? Like, why can't right. we get there again? And I, I told you from... I mean, how many times throughout the season, like, when is it going to click in Doug's head that we we don't have the manpower right now? We have to move people around and we have to get creative in our formations. And I don't know why it took so long or why it always takes so long that it seems to take to four weeks before the regular season ends for him to get creative. I, I, I don't understand it. And it this isn't just this year or last year. It's been three years in a row now that it's taken for Carson Wentz to either go out of the offense or a complete 180 turn, which he did in 2019, to have Doug get very good in his play calling. And it's it's one of those things that I still believe that Wentz is a good player. I believe that Doug has a hard time designing that offense for him, which you have seen success out of from Frank Reich and DiFilippo in 2017. And now that we're a few years, few years removed, excuse me, from that whole situation, we can now reflect a little bit more on it that we have a bigger sample size that maybe that was the cog that made Carson Wentz's engine turn. And for Doug, I think you have to completely eliminate Carson from Doug's discussion and say, who is going to give me the best chance moving forward? And I think 
there was an element of Doug wanting to possibly run with Nick Foles after that Super Bowl. I'm sure they had that discussion at some point. I'm sure he wanted to keep running with him in 2018 too. And it's it's hard to believe that he now has Jalen Hurts, who's in a better position than Carson Wentz was all year. And it, it's it's tough to sit here and say that Doug isn't a better play caller when he isn't asked to call plays for Carson Wentz. I don't know what it is. I don't know mm-hmm. what what the why there's so much volatility in that area. But to me, your floor with Carson versus Foles, McCown. Hurts, I think that floor is just right now, right at this current point in time, a bit higher than it is with Carson Wentz. And uh, you have to take that floor, especially if you want to evaluate talent. Like, it's tough when Carson has taken so many sacks and he can't even get the ball out to guys and see what a uh, guy like Jalen Rager can do in the air. If he's advanced at all in his, in his uh, catching the ball at, at the high point. And, and guys like John Hightower, like, can they beat those guys at the second level when they have to get that second gear? It's tough to evaluate when, when you can't get the ball out of your hand. And I think Jalen Hurts right now is just bringing a, a little bit of freshness to this offense and mm. and Doug has to ride the ship that doesn't have a hole in it and Carson has a hole right now and he was completely broken we know that uh you just have to be what you are as a play caller and I think we know what Doug is as a play caller and sometimes his simple simplicity makes him better and more efficient and hey if that's the way that you are going to be under Doug build your offense to that degree don't continue this square peg in a round hole offense where we're sitting here halfway through the season or three quarters of the way through the season saying when is this going to click because I'm over that Lou I want to be what we were in in 16 when we came out firing against the Browns and in 17 when we came five and one and we're just firing on offense I, I hate being this this stone age style offense in the modern day NFL it doesn't work we're running a car with not even four flat tires. We're just running on the rims right now. We have to soup up this offense to the greatest extent possible in this offseason because if you think you're going to compete with Dallas in scoring points when they have a healthy offense with all three of those wide receivers and keep up with what the what Washington is building over there in the division, it's going to be tough for me to say that you can do that right now with how this offense is designed. So if he continues to go out there and score 24 plus points a game and look impressive and not turn the ball over, you have to say that maybe this is what Doug is. And he is a guy that builds better offenses for guys like Jalen Hurts and Nick Foles. I think you have to contextualize everything. So is Doug better off with Carson? I think it's kind of a loaded question. I think, yes, I think when he has a backup quarterback in, he definitely steps up his game because he knows he has to elevate this offense more (laughs) as a play caller with a backup rather than a franchise quarterback like Carson Wentz. I think you see they have to play within structure more for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I think the entire team does that. You know, I think the offensive line has to step up and they block better normally with backup quarterbacks and the defense has played better. So I think you have to contextualize the fact that, yeah, I think everybody, including Doug, steps up because they have to. However, I do. First, I want to say I think Doug and Carson have been better together than they get credit for. I think you saw Mm -hmm. early on in 2016. Obviously, you can't ignore 2017. I thought down the stretch in 2019 as well, they were good together, and I think they've had to deal with a lot together, so it's hard for them both to find consistency. That 35-33-1 record even, I don't like when people use that as a basis Mm -hmm. for this argument because... I just I don't like non-contextualized QB wins. I just don't think that's a fair way to evaluate because 
if you take away, look, if the Eagles stop two fourth and long plays in 2018 against Carolina and Tennessee, if Nelson Aguilar doesn't drop a ball against Atlanta last year, if J.J. Ortega-Whiteside doesn't drop a ball against Detroit, if the refs don't screw you in Dallas in 2018, that might be, you know, 39-29-1. So that that's the thing, too. I don't like when people use that record. I do think they have been better together than we get credit for. But I think Doug, in general, is just an inconsistent play caller. And mm-hmm. because this team has had to deal with so much inconsistency in general, everybody's been inconsistent. Because you even look at those 14 games, and again, this is why I don't like just using records. This is why I want to dive deeper into this with you, because that Mm -hmm. 11 and 3 record, you even have to contextualize in those 14 games, how many truthfully, like how many great quarterback performances have been in those six, you've got Foles against Minnesota and new England in 2017 in 2018. I would say great performances against the Texans. I liked what he did against Washington week 17 and against Chicago in the playoffs. So that's like five. And then maybe you can say Jalen hurts last week. So Gino, even against, even with other quarterbacks, it's been up and down play. So I think it's been a mixed bag. I think it's been up and down with every quarterback. And just because that's, that's been the state of the Eagles since 2017, and so that's why I wanted to dive deeper into it because just using those records, I saw Fox Sports tweet out like Doug is 35, 33 and one with Carson <laughs> since 2016 and he's 11 and three with other QBs. Like, sure, that is the case and everybody's had to step up with backups, but I don't think that tells the entire story. No, I mean, how many times can we have that argument and support yeah. Carson in that element? And I, I don't think everybody, anybody will give him his credit where it's due. And you're right, Lou. I mean, I think Doug is an inconsistent play caller, and I think you and I have called him on his nonsense time and time again. I mean, he's still doing things, even with and without Carson, that make me question his play calling ability. I mean, didn't like, Hurts elevate and create outside of structure more than anything last week? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I I tell you all the time when they're at, within the forty yard line, Lou. I, I always know that they're going to start a play behind the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and it's going to lose them yardage. And how many times have they done that? And how many times do they fail to run a screenplay where, uh, I mean, for so long they were so good at that, and they just can't do it anymore because they call it in the wrong spots and just not designing guys open for the longest time. There definitely is inconsistency to Doug Peterson. But the thing is, if you look at the other element with with Carson Wentz, his inconsistency since 2017 has just been – you can't take that much volatility out of your out of your quarterback in the NFL. And I mean, how he's inconsistencies too, Gino. That's the thing. Like, right. So that's why when you're talking about Doug and Carson, is he better with or without Carson? It's kind of – it's hard to tell because this entire team has been so inconsistent all across the board, regardless of who's at quarterback. Yeah, that's definitely fair, but there was that that article that came out that said that there's like less than a 10% chance that Howie Roseman is gone, and he basically has like a contract for life. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's always going to stick around, so that's what we have to figure out. Is it Doug, or is it Carson? I would 100% be on board with, I mean, let's say Jalen Hurts looks very good, hypothetically, the next couple weeks, and and you're like, okay, we're in on Jalen Hurts, like, let's move. You move forward with Jalen Hurts, but you still bring in somebody else or allow one of these guys like Scangarello or Morning Wig to be your second half play caller and continue with that model because we saw what it did in Kansas City a couple years back when they started what one and five and then they won ten games straight and almost mm. went to the AFC championship where Doug Peterson was that second half play caller. The NFL, you could take a lot of things and learn from the past, and you can learn in a good way or a bad way. And I think they have to move forward with a model like that because Doug is an inefficient play caller when he has to call four quarters. That's just how it is. It's how it's been for quite some time now, since 2018 even. I mean, 
once he called that absolute gem in the Super Bowl, it's been, what dog are we going to get week to week? Flip a coin. And and that's, I, I feel like, what it is. So you have to throw a change up, not just for your quarterback, but for your play calling as well, because it doesn't just come down to one player in the NFL. This isn't the NBA. This isn't a LeBron James, a James Harden, a Kevin Durant league. This is 11 guys need to perform, and you have to get the quarterback that will perform your best to elevate the 11 guys around you while having a play caller. Lou, you have to have a play caller that you can win because of as well. Because sure. if you're trying to win in spite of your play caller, much like the Eagles have many times under Doug Peterson, it's going to be a tough sledding to have to overcome a lot of bad decisions, both at the quarterback position, at the play calling position. Your defensive coordinator hasn't helped you for about two and a half seasons. I mean, finally he is now. So, I mean, you have to find consistency one way. And if the most consistent model is to simplify your offense, where Doug Peterson is at his best play calling, then so be it, because you and I both support Doug. We love what he is as a player's coach. We love what he's able to do under adversity. I don't think completely getting him out of the organization is the way to go, because he really gets his team to buy in no matter the situation. Maybe it is the quarterback, and maybe we have to look forward with Jalen Hurts and try and build that offense with him. Yeah, it's everything's on the table when it comes to getting rid of Wentz, getting rid of Doug. Maybe it's, like you said, bringing in just you keep both, but you have Hertz as an insurance policy and you have a new offensive coordinator and a new play caller, or the, maybe that's splitting play calling duties with Doug. But also, again, I just I get frustrated. I read that piece from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I think it was Paul Domowich that mm-hmm. talked about Howie being safe um, from Jeffrey Lurie. And it's just it's frustrating to me because, again, I think Carson and Doug both deserve a huge part of the blame. And I do think you should bring in a new offensive mind. And I do think you should seriously consider Jalen Hurts these final three weeks of the season. And if he looks really good, consider him being the guy moving forward in 2021. But again, like those two, we have to keep having that discussion because they're the most realistic outs. But Howie, and again, he did great things building this team back up in 2016 and 2017. He was unconscious in those off seasons. With it seemed like every move he made, he made was the right one. But then I read that report, and to to hear that Doug and Carson might both or one or the other gets the axe over Howie is just really frustrating to me. Because how many GMs get to fix three disasters that they were a part of? Howie was a huge part of the dream team disaster. He was a part of the chip Kelly disaster. And now this in 2020. And so the fact that Carson and Doug might get the boot for the one year, they potentially couldn't elevate Howie's mess because a lot of it's on Howie. I know we've talked about it all the time, Gino, and I do think Wentz and Doug should be considered um, as part of the issue. And they are for sure. And you should consider moving on from both Howie too, but it's not the case. Like Jeffrey Lurie, like you said, what what a ten percent chance he's not going to move on from Howie Roseman, and that that again just continues to frustrate me. I think yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate advocate here. Sure, the one on. line the one line from that article that really clicked with me is it said something about Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman is one of those guys that Jeffrey Lurie can trust no matter what. And the end of the sentence was, and there's. It's hard to find many guys like that nowadays, and I thought that was a very interesting line to throw in there because I, I'm not going to question Jeffrey Lurie, his integrity at all. So if he trusts Howie and he can't trust other people for other reasons that we probably don't know, I mean, how many internal questions and things have come out in the media of this team, Lou, over man, the past Chip Kelly, couple years? Chip Kelly really did a number on Lurie, I think, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, man. And, I think he feels so spurned by that. 
Yeah, it's like it's like that uh, when you get out of a bad relationship or something like that. Like you're always uh, apt to go for the opposite. And he yeah, wants but you know, he went to... back to his ex. I mean, I guess it yeah. worked out. The but comfort. Like, he went yeah, back he wants to his to go ex. To the opposite. The comfort. He doesn't want to be in the, in this anxious state where he he gives up control to to his coach. And, so I think this so is a on. knock on Lurie though, more than a testament to Howie. I don't know. That's what I'm. Getting. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> I think he has end, trust issues. Yeah, he, he probably does with with Chip <laughs> Kelly. But in the end, if if he trusts Howie, I mean, Howie has to work himself out of this mess. Like, uh, imagine if you like, let's say for example, you bought a house, right? Mm-hmm. And everything was perfect when you looked at the house, and then you go to the house and. All the carpets ripped up. Uh, the glass is shattered. Uh, a lot of the framework is is messed up. They pulled the roof off. Like that's where Howie is right now. Imagine sending in somebody to clean up that mess. Yeah, like, but Howie's he's the one be- that did it. Like, would you want the guy that messed up your house to fix your house three times? I mean, how many guys on this roster though, Lou, has he brought in to play the devil's advocate once again that have saved a an eagle season? Or change but they've had the to save it because how he's been so inept the last two years at building around those guys. That's fair. I mean, the, trust me, the I, like, I get it. Like how he has done a lot of good. Again, he was unconscious in 2016 and 2017, but I feel like they're still relying too much on those two off seasons because, and I feel like they've had to rely too much on Doug and Carson the last couple years because how he has not been able to replicate those strong off seasons since then every move. Although at the time I agreed with a lot of them in the off season and free agency and a lot of his draft picks, the vast majority of his decisions have not worked out and so i'm not saying he's gonna get fired he's probably not but i think he should be the one of all three to get the boot or at least like you know we're talking about bringing in a new oc and maybe you know moving Mm -hmm. forward with hertz they got to at least consider bringing in a new kind of joe douglas like number two yeah if they want to make andy wydell like the head of the draft or something like we've talked about that i'd be totally on board with that i actually met uh, his brother casey who and they're great, great family and great mm-hmm. individuals to have in Philadelphia. Very smart, often or uh, team building minds. So you got to do something. I, I think Howie's very good at the contract situation. Like he'll work himself out of that mess. But you're right, Lou. In, in terms of drafting, we've mentioned it. Maybe he brings in a starter to draft the first two days, and he drafts day three where he's yeah, very he's killed good at, at day it. three and and with undrafted free agency and that kind of stuff. He's Really mm-hmm. good at that, but he is terrible at yeah. first, second, and third round picks. Yeah, so the idea of st- going back to your ex and being comfortable, I think we can learn a lot from that. When we're talking about bringing in new offensive minds and bringing in minds to to help Howie out or, or minds or players to work on offense with Jalen Hurts, like don't go back to the same concepts that didn't work. Like don't go back to these. NFL guys that are just continuing to be cycled throughout the NFL and Marty Morningwig and Rich Gangrel, like bring in somebody new. Mm-hmm. I'm just so sick of the staleness. Like the NHL is the worst at this. It's a complete men's club where they oh, don't want to take eight coaches any... that get fired and rehired everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like how many times is Peter Laviolette going to go around the uh, around or Randy the Carlisle or yeah, yeah exactly. Guys. I mean Ken Hitchcock. <laughs> I'm just waiting for a guy like I mean. You look at what Oregon's doing on offense. Uh, they had, I can't even, the guy from Mississippi State went there after Briner. He, he was part of his crew there. And you have uh, Lincoln Riley. Like, when is Lincoln Riley going to get a shot? Or, I mean, 
even some of these guys in the American conference that come up with these unbelievable offenses, like bring in these guys. The NFL changes every single day. Look at what the Chiefs are doing every single game. They're they're rolling their quarterback out, doing that Ferrari right and crazy stuff that we've never even heard of. Like it's yep. time to get creative, stop being stale and whatever it takes at your uh, team building priority, how you do that. I think they changed in a good direction in that regard this last offseason. In regards to play calling, there are still many question marks there. But in terms of the quarterback position, Lou, you're getting an athlete in there, much like we talked about with that game yesterday between Herbert and Mariota and Lamar Jackson and these guys like Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. That's what the modern quarterback is. It's somebody who can create outside of structure, somebody that can elevate your team when your play caller isn't elevating. But you also have to have your play caller and your personnel in line. Look at Buffalo right now, Lou. As much as I hate them, as much as I can't stand Bills fans, they're clicking on all cylinders. What they have done in regards to building around Josh Allen, what Dable has done in regards to building his offense around Josh Allen and getting the personnel in there to fit his needs is exactly what we have been shouting from the heavens for to help out Carson Wentz. And clearly it's not working that way. So if Jalen Hurts is the guy that we can do that for, Let's do it. I mean, I just want to be all in on something and have hope. Like, I have no hope in this team right now. Like, I don't see the end of the tunnel. I need to see a light. I need to see something creative. I need to see something new. I'm so sick of this staleness and just plotting on offense and just, oh, let's get Zach Ertz back so he can't do anything. And let's take uh, false start penalties time after time. Like, this team needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror in these next three weeks and this offseason and really figure out who they are because we could be talking about the same stuff in 2024 if they don't get it on track in this offseason and the next offseason because there is a lot of changes that are going to be made, and if they stick with the loyalty element like they have been, if they stick with the staleness, man, we could be in a loop for quite some time as Eagles fans, and it's scary to say, but I want to be an optimist, and I really think you have something to build on in Jalen Hurts. I think Doug Peterson still is that guy. Get Howie some help in terms of building that team through the draft, and you're going to continue to be one of the better teams in the NFL. Like, I mean, we're talking about all this this sadness and just this this cloud over our head. Look at what we did the last three years, Lou. There's a lot of good to take out of that. There's a lot we can learn from that. There's a lot we can build on in this bad season. There's no wins and losses. It's wins and lessons. This 2020 season. And this 2020 year as a whole, with this whole coronavirus thing, should be a lesson for not just everybody in that building, just everybody as a whole. Just realize who you are, look internally at what you are, and build forward. It, it's time to build in Philadelphia. We have to tear down our old walls, tear down that old element of team building, that old element of play calling, that old element of how you are going to move forward. It's not 2017 anymore. It's 2020, and we're looking at 2021. It's time to move forward here in Philly. Yeah, I think the organization, too, has done a good job. I think Howie Roseman, one thing he has done a good job at, even though it hasn't really worked out every time he switches up, he has been able to switch up his philosophies and say, okay, this hasn't worked, so let's try this. And so that's one thing I'm encouraged about, and I think Doug Peterson has that open-mindedness as well. You know, he even talked about willing to give other people play-calling duties, and Jeffrey Lurie... You know, you heard that story in the summer, how he is enamored with innovation when it comes to the offensive side of the football, and it was a huge reason he brought in Chip Kelly from Oregon. So I hear all these stories about Lurie and about Roseman and about Doug Peterson, and I'm encouraged that if, you know, the majority of those guys stay intact as the, you know, staples of this 
franchise that they are going to be willing to learn and to adapt. But at the same time, they need to go further than what they've been doing the past couple of years. Cause like you said, there is still a loyalty aspect to this team that Lurie has with Howie and mm-hmm. um, that Howie and Doug have with guys like Jason Peters and Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. And that even Carson Wentz has to some people, I think to, you know, Zach Ertz and to, um, you know, I think, Frank Reich, even maybe, who knows? So they need to go a step further this offseason if they're going to create real change within this team and because that's what it's going to take now. Maybe maybe all it does take is a new play caller. Maybe it's Jalen Hurts. Maybe it's a new GM. But I think there's going to be bigger steps taken than that because I think the organization has a ways to go now to get back to where they've been, I think, you look at, especially in 2017. Right. I think a good way to look at it is we're closer to the bottom than we are the top right now. I think so we're too. Clo- yeah. Yeah. We're closer to a top five draft pick than we are to a Super Bowl. And we, we have to be real for a second and not just for a second, real for this whole season. I think this has been that season, much like uh, I think you look back at 2015 and even that 2012 year in the last yep. year of Andy Reid and maybe even 2009 where it's a big reflecting moment. And we talk about the NFL as turnover in, in years of threes. And you see what years I just mentioned, 09, 2012, 2015, and a little longer than three years. But, I mean, you could start those question marks at 2018 that have persisted to 2020. Sure. It's time to turn that over, Lou. You know, it's you've been. I don't, I don't think you have to blow it all up because I. No. What, you can't ignore what this regime the has done the last three work. years. But the they've got to make. Work, yeah, exactly. They've got to make real changes here. They don't have to blow everything up, but again, there's going to be has to be significant steps taken to change what this team is doing because, as much as I've, I'm way more impressed with what they did in 2018 and 2019 than others. You can see the down. You can see the decline from the Super Bowl win to now. It's been steadily a steady decline every year. Yeah, and that's the one thing as a franchise that bad franchises do. And I, I don't consider us a bad franchise. Uh, people in the NFL circles talk very highly of the Philadelphia Eagles and and their advancement in analytics and how forward thinking they are and. That's the thing that gives me hope is that I know these individuals in charge and we've seen success. I wouldn't put us in the Detroit Lions category or even the Oakland Raiders category where they've just been in mediocrity for so long. If we pick in the top five this year, Lou, I wouldn't expect us to be back there in maybe what it's been four years since we drafted Carson Wentz. I hope Mm. even longer than that. I hope we're not in the top 10. I mean, we weren't even in the top 10. We were right, at 13th and then they went to 8th yeah. and the 2nd. Yeah, so not even. I mean, I hope it's another 10 years before we're even in this conversation. And if you're having this conversation next year and the year after that, you didn't change things for the better. And that's not what we want to be talking about because we've been trying to do this retool since 17 and 18 and 19. Now to 20, the retool hasn't worked. It's time to overhaul. It's time to get things and – you. Not blow up the entire foundation. Keep good pieces. Keep a and a, a young and upcoming pass rusher and Josh Sweat and Fletcher Cox who continue who should wear Eagles green until uh, the day he retires. And a guy like um, you look at Lane Johnson is still a building block. And you also have good building blocks in Mayalata who are just diamonds in the rough that you have found. And maybe even Alex Singleton could be that linebacker you've been waiting for so long. And you have a cornerback in Darius Slay who could finally cover Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts. I mean, you could continue to list young players on this team that are going to be good elements moving forward. But those guys you mentioned, Lou, 
Jason Peters, Zach Ertz. I mean, it's time to move on. The loyalty element has, it's long gone. When you're not producing in the NFL, it's time to move forward because there are a lot of young guys just waiting for their chance to be the next Tyreek Hill, to be the next Tyron Matthew, to be these guys that have elite athleticism that make plays when older guys don't. And I'm ready to see this younger Eagles team moving forward. I don't want to be at the top of the age list. I don't want to be at the top of the injury list moving forward. I want to be a young team that's explosive, that is fun to watch, that flies to the football on defense, makes interceptions from the back end position. How many? When's the last time we've seen a safety come over from single high and make a play or a cornerback yeah. make an unbelievable play on the ball? I just want to see fun Philadelphia Eagles football again. And it is time to move forward. This is not the team. This is not the recipe. End the experiment and change things for the better. Take your losses and move on. All right, that's going to do it for this week of Lockdown Eagles podcast. Guys, be sure to subscribe on any podcast platform for five Eagles podcasts a week. Download it into your phone right here on LOE, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Me and Gina will be back on Sunday night. We'll have a Monday morning podcast dropping for you, the postgame show, as the Eagles take on the Arizona Cardinals. And we're talking, you know, again, long-term perspective here on the show, but at 4-8-1, this Eagles team is still alive, and if they get a win on Sunday against Arizona, they are right back in the thick of this playoff race, and we'll have all that covered for you on Sunday night. So again, subscribe to Lockdown Eagles on any platform, and we're always talking birds. Until then, after the show on Twitter, hit us up at LockdownBirds at DiBiase, L-O-E. For my co-host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.